0: Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. You can find me at the Success Alchemist.net, the and Facebook and YouTube Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, Telegram US UK Patriot, and Truth Social Success Alchemist. Today is the 21st of January, 2023, and the title of today's show is Biden Classified Documents, Davos Exposed, two-year anniversary of Biden's inauguration, and other news which I'll cover if I have time for. So um, it's been another interesting week, lots and lots of things going on and um, some of it quite monumental actually. So let's start by celebrating or should I say mourning the second anniversary of Joe Biden being inaugurated. And uh, let's just have a look at the disasters that have happened in the last two years. Um, But hopefully there will be some comeuppance fairly soon, I hope. Okay, so Gateway Pundit did a, a summary of what's gone on in the last two years, two years ago today. Joe Biden was inaugurated president. Here are the results. Elections have consequences. Stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. That was from Steve Bannon. The Biden inauguration, no one came. And if you remember, they had to put all these flags out instead of having people actually there. And they basically barricaded the whole place. Um, put up these uh, fences and all sorts of things. You know, it's like, really? Is that the sign of somebody who has received 81 million votes? And No, I don't think so. Two years ago today, the coup was completed. Joe Biden was inaugurated President of the United States and the era of prosperity and peace officially ended. I'd also like to remind you that... Um, There were many of the annons reporting that the filming of the inauguration ceremony, supposedly on the 21st, um, the weather was different to the weather that was actually in D.C. that day. I think it was blue skies and, and D.C. was cloudy. And also, interestingly, certain people that were visible close to Joe Biden at one point, then in another shot, they suspiciously disappeared. It was really showing that this whole thing was was made up. It was a mock inauguration, which does, I'm happy to say, tend to confirm the fact that The White Hats have been in control all the time. And this was more optics to put Joe Biden in to just expose everything about the corrupt Democrats and the deep state, not only the Democrats, but also the rhinos and others. So continuing with the article, oh, what a difference a stolen election makes. Here are Joe Biden's results after two years in office. The highest gas prices in US history. Record crime on our streets. There were over 1 million stolen cars in 2022 alone. Inflation was out of control at a 40-year high in 2022. Open borders over 5 million illegals. Illegal immigration broke all records. Over 5 million illegal aliens have crossed over the open southern border into the United States in Joe Biden's first two years in office. U.S. surrender in Afghanistan and arming enemy Taliban with $80 billion in U.S. weapons, abandoning thousands of U.S. citizens and green card holders to the Taliban, And the U.S. stock market had its worst year since 2008. And as Steve Bannon reported, if you add bond losses to stock-stroke equity losses, total over $10 trillion, the worst losses since 1871, repeat, 1871. U.S. president as global laughingstock for first time in history. Filth and grooming in U.S. classrooms. And it's only going to get worse. So, yes, a monumental two years in terms of the damage that's been deliberately done to the US. And, you know, we are seeing an avalanche of disclosure of all of the corruption, everything. So I'm hoping, as I've said in previous shows, that 2023 is going to be a tipping point or a turning point for all of this. And moving on to the Biden classified document scandal, there are a lot of questions being asked about why this is all coming out now. and Why does does the mainstream media even seem to be turning against Biden? We've got, I think it was CBS that was at one of the press briefings who was really putting Karine Jean-Pierre on the spot because they were complaining about the fact that she wouldn't answer questions. And she, she just kept repeating the same statement that she was reading and evading every question, saying, you know, the president is taking this seriously and we're following a proper process and we're being very transparent. Of course, it's all total BS. They're just trying to squirm and and wriggle out of all these uh, questions that they're unable to answer. So I did report on the start of this um, exposure of the classified documents at several locations last week so this is kind of a follow-up and I've got quite a few articles to go through and then after that I'll actually give some of the opinions from the certainly the citizen journalists who are questioning why this is happening at this point in time and also what is happening in relation to the way that President Trump was treated with that FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago and the fact that the FBI and the DOJ is treating it completely differently from the way that they've treated Trump. So I'm going to start with this from Trending Politics. This was on the 18th. Uh, Breaking FBI let Biden's attorneys search his home for classified docs without supervision. Um, I think I raised this last week, the fact that they were letting these lawyers go through the documents when they didn't have or don't have a security clearance. So that to me is a real red flag in terms of giving these people access to documents that they shouldn't be allowed to have access to. According to a bombshell new report, the Department of Justice opted out from sending FBI agents to President Joe Biden's Delaware home where classified documents were found. The DOJ decided to look the other way as Biden's personal attorney searched the home for top secret documents. The Justice Department considered having FBI agents monitor a search by President Biden's lawyers for classified documents at his homes, but decided against it both to avoid complicating later stages of the investigation and because Mr Biden's attorneys had quickly turned over a first batch and were cooperating according to people familiar with the matter, the Wall Street Journal reported. The report is shocking to say the least, considering sensitive information was found in Biden's home and instead of taking the situation seriously, the Department of Justice looked the other way, leaving Biden's lawyers to use their own judgment with the classified documents. The Department of Justice doesn't seem too serious at getting to the bottom of what is going on with the Biden family. Earlier this week, we reported about how Hunter Biden made extremely high rent payments to his parents at their Wilmington, Delaware home. The monthly rent for Hunter Biden, which was $49,910, just so happens to align with the rental deposit at the House of Sweden connected to the Biden family's business venture with CEFC China Energy Company. The 49910 deposit corresponds with the amount of money recorded on a 2018 background check document discovered by the New York Post's Miranda Devine. Breitbart reports in an email on October 13, 2017, Cecilia Browning, the general manager of House of Sweden, an office complex in Washington, D.C., emailed Hunter about a lease that Hunter and his Chinese business partners were trying to terminate, according to emails unearthed from Hunter's laptop from Hell. Browning notes the amount of the deposit was $49,910 for the office space and that it would be returned to Hunter upon signing a lease termination document. If you're willing to terminate the lease of number 507, the owners are willing to let you out of the lease as of December 31st, 2017, Browning said in an email to Hunter. Please note that there is a security deposit paid by you of $49,910, which will be returned within 15 days after the termination of the lease, after inspection of normal wear and tear. According to whistleblower Tony Bobulinski, Hunter had requested to end the lease after his agreement with CEFC China Energy collapsed. Previously, the Biden family had made a deal with CEFC, in which President Joe Biden, referred to as Big Guy, would receive a 10% ownership in the joint venture. I do have good news. I spoke with the head office and they are willing to let you out of the lease as of December 31st this year, Browning said to Hunter in an email one month later. Just wanted to make sure that you received my email below and also to ask you to confirm so that we can prepare the lease termination documents. On December 14th, Browning sent a follow-up email after Hunter failed to respond. Hunter, we haven't seen you for a while in the building and I wanted to make sure that you received my emails below. As you can see, I now have the approval to terminate your lease as per our discussion in October without any penalty, either December 31st, 2017 or January 31st, 2018. Whatever is more convenient for you, he said. Please confirm so that we can start preparing the lease termination documents. Hunter's assistant, Katie Dodge, initially stated on January 22nd, 2018, that Hunter did not wish to end the lease. However, on January 30th, Dodge sent an email to Browning confirming that Hunter had changed his mind and now desired to terminate the lease. Yes, we are confirming that Hunter would like to terminate the lease and exit the unit at the end of February, February 28th, and that the security deposit will cover the remaining rent less, Hunter's assistant replied. We will pay you the few thousand more for any damage. You can let me know what that amount will be. The 49910 dollar rent payment is the same exact amount of money hunter allegedly paid to his parents through rent according to a background screening request form that was filled out by hunter biden in twenty eighteen the president's son claimed he owned the delaware residence where the classified documents were found The now 52-year-old began listing the Wilmington home as his address following his 2017 divorce from ex-wife Kathleen Boole, even falsely claiming he owned the property on a July 2018 background check form as part of a rental application, the New York Post reported. On the monthly rent portion of the form, Hunter Biden claimed he paid $49,910 in rent each month. Town & Country magazine estimates the Delaware home is worth about $2 million, which would suggest that if Hunter Biden is truly paying nearly $600,000 a year in rent, he is overpaying by a lot. In 2018, Hunter Biden claimed he owned the house where Joe Biden kept classified documents alongside his Corvette in the garage, reported journalist Miranda Devine. And it shows a tweet with a screenshot of this background screening request form. And he's got the company name as Owasco PC, which is actually a company owned by Hunter Biden. Was this Hunter Biden's way of funneling the money he earned with his father's political connections back to his father? As we previously reported, after Hunter's divorce was finalised in May of 2017, he was included in an email from his business partner, James Gilliar about a venture with Chinese state-funded energy company CEFC China Energy. The email stated that Hunter and his partners would receive 20% of the shares in the new business, with 10% going to Hunter's uncle James Biden and the other 10% being, quote, held by H for the big guy, end quote. Tony Bobulinski, another one of Hunter's former business partners, claims that he had a meeting with Joe Biden regarding the CEFC venture on May 2nd, 2017, and that the president was the individual referred to as the big guy in Gilear's email. Additionally, Gilear himself confirmed that Joe Biden was the big guy mentioned in a message found on the laptop. The New York Post reports the following year, federal investigators began looking into whether Hunter and his business associates violated tax and money laundering laws during their dealings in China and other countries. Emails and other records related to the deals were found on the laptop, which Hunter dropped off at a Delaware repair shop in 2019 and never reclaimed. According to text messages found on Hunter Biden's laptop, the president's son was on the hook for 50% of family expenses. How did Hunter Biden get this money back to his father? I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years, a furious Hunter Biden said to his daughter Naomi in January of 2019. It's really hard. But don't worry, unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. The New York Post continues, The laptop doesn't contain any direct evidence of such money transfers but shows Hunter was routinely on the hook for household expenses, including repairs to the Wilmington home. In December 2020, weeks after his father was elected president, Hunter Biden announced that his tax affairs were being investigated by federal authorities in Delaware and said he was confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handle my affairs legally and appropriately. Recent reports have indicated investigators believe they have enough evidence to charge the first son with tax crimes, as well as with lying about his drug abuse on a federal form so he could buy a gun in 2018. Trending Politics also reports tax fraud. Biden didn't report the $50,000 per month in rent that Hunter claimed he paid. And it refers to the other article about Hunter Biden paying this $49,910 a month in rent while living at Joe Biden's Delaware house. Nothing fishy there, right? However, the story is getting deeper as Joe Biden has been caught not reporting this rental income on his taxes. This was observed by Wendell hughes on Twitter. And it shows the tweet. Hunter Biden claimed in 2018 he paid over 49000 per month in rent while living at his dad's Delaware house. Joe Biden's 2017 tax return on Schedule E only listed $19,800 in rents received. In 2018, Biden listed no rents received. And here's more from PJ Media on the Schedule E portion of his 2017 tax forms. Joe Biden reported $19,800 in rents received and none in 2018, according to information reported on Sunday by Breitbart's Wendell Hoosbo. But when filling in a background check, Hunter Biden claimed to pay a specific $49,910 rent each month to his dad from March 2017 to February 2018. This is the same home where classified documents were recently found stacked in the garage. Biden, the younger, spent about a year during part of his drugged out times renting, question mark, Biden, the elder's Wilmington, Delaware home following his divorce from Kathleen Biden. Kathleen filed for divorce after learning that, among other women, including an Arkansas stripper who gave birth to Hunter's unacknowledged daughter in 2018, Hunter was having an affair with his dead brother, Bo's widow, Hallie, whose beau also followed up with this shocker. Breaking Hunter's 49910 monthly rent matches a deposit at the House of Sweden related to his venture with CEFC China Energy Company. The $49,910 amount also matches the money he claimed to pay in rent while living at Joe Biden's Delaware home, found on a 2018 background check. D.C. Drano called this one of the most corrupt money laundering schemes in modern history. And the tweet says, If this is true, then we've uncovered one of the most corrupt money laundering scams in modern American history. Looks like 10% for the big guy was way off. It was at least 50%. And it's got a link to PJ Media tax cheat. Joe didn't report the 50,000 month in rent Hunter claimed. Stay tuned for more breaking news on this developing story. The plot thickens. Um, This is the Kyle Becker substack. Mystery Woman questioned on moving Biden's classified docs gave treasure trove of intelligence to Hunter Biden. Any foreign power would love to have this information. Kathy Chung, Biden's executive assistant for Joe Biden when he was vice president, was a close associate of Hunter Biden, who gave him what a retired top general called a treasure trove of intelligence information that was ultimately leaked from his infamous laptop. Hunter Biden was so close to the mystery woman whose profile images have been widely scrubbed from the Internet that he recommended Chung to work for his father in the vice president's office while she was working for former Senator Mark Udall, Democrat Colorado, in 2012. While Chung was in the Vice President's office, she passed on to Hunter hundreds of the Vice President's intelligence briefings, which consisted of open source information, but nonetheless provide unique insights into the Vice President's agenda. More valuable to foreign intelligence services will be the hundreds of phone numbers for security officials, senators and congressmen, and numerous celebrities that Chung passed on to Hunter Biden. And there's a long list of names here, including President Clinton, Secretary Clinton, McConnell, um, Pelosi, Joe Manchin. It goes on and on. So, you know, not just nobodies, but major figures. This highly sensitive information was stored on Hunter Biden's laptop, unencrypted laptop and mobile devices. Former President Bill Clinton, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Speaker Nancy Pelosi were among those listed in Chung's emails to Hunter Biden. Chung, on a separate occasion, emailed Hunter Biden the phone numbers for the president's cabinet secretaries. The vice presidential assistant also forwarded Hunter Biden a contact database of 1,500 people, including actress Gwyneth Paltrow and Coldplay singer Chris Martin. She also provided the contact information for ex-FBI chief Louis Free and the names of three secret service agents. Chung was recently questioned by law enforcement agencies over the national security breach of classified documents found in Joe Biden's residence in Wilmington, Delaware, including his garage, as well as his unsecured non-governmental office at the Penn Biden Center. Chung had helped pack up the vice president's office in January 2017. The people who were boxing up the vice presidential office had no idea that there was anything in there that shouldn't leave the White House, a source told NBC News. There was no decision made to take certain documents that should have been presidential records or classified. Chung currently serves as deputy director of protocol for Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Patrick Ryder has referred all questions about Chung's interview to the Department of Justice. General Michael Flynn in a November 2020 tweet reacted to the revelation that Chung had given Hunter Biden the highly sensitive information. Ask who is Kathy Chung, EOP, and why in 2015 is she giving a treasure trove of intelligence, phone numbers, to Hunter and redacted, he tweeted, any foreign power would love to have this information. The vice president's son notoriously secured his laptop with the password Hunter02. He once disclosed on video with a prostitute that he had lost a laptop which was likely seized by the Russians. Hunter Biden claimed Russians stole another one of his laptops for blackmail while he was close to overdosing in a Las Vegas hotel room, the Daily Mail reported. The alleged incident would mean Hunter lost a total of three computers, the first abandoned at a Delaware computer store and the second seized by federal agents, each likely to hold sensitive information on President Joe Biden and the embarrassing pictures, videos and communications of his son, the report continued. The third laptop still appears to be missing and was taken by Russian drug dealers after they parted with Hunter in Vegas, he told a prostitute in a conversation caught on camera, the report added. IT expert Chris Greeny told the Daily Mail in a different report that it was staggering, the laptop had not been encrypted. He also called it a national security nightmare. It's a data breach and dangerous to have this type of material floating around, said Greeny, a former police commander who had advised British foreign secretaries on laptop security. For someone prominent, there is not only a risk of great reputational damage, but also a risk of blackmail should the material fall into the wrong hands, he said. Attorney General Merrick Garland has announced that he is appointing Special Counsel Robert Hurr to investigate the classified documents found in President Joe Biden's private office and home. When it came out that a second batch of classified documents were found in a garage at Joe Biden's Wilmington home, which Hunter Biden had even claimed to own, he boasted about the security for his Corvette. Classified material next to your Corvette? What were you thinking? Ducey asked the President. My Corvette is in a locked garage, Okay, So it's not like they're sitting out on the street, he shot back. Biden was so brazen about his illegal activity that he actually filmed a campaign video with his Corvette in 2020. One can see stacks of boxes in the back of the garage where the classified documents were reportedly found. Miranda Devine, author of The Laptop from Hell, revealed that Hunter Biden had claimed he owned the house where Biden kept the classified documents. Devine provides the document showing Hunter Biden claiming to own the house. The address also appears on a copy of Hunter Biden's driver's license. There is further evidence that Hunter Biden had access to the garage where the classified documents were reportedly kept. Biden drove his Corvette Stingray in the season premiere of CNBC's Jay Leno's Garage in 2016. Biden told Leno his sons had restored the vehicle to showroom condition. My two sons, Bo, who passed away, and my son Hunter, decided as a Christmas gift to have the engine rebuilt for me, he explained. In a report about the documents found at the Penn Biden Center, it was revealed that Hunter Biden was in talks to potentially get an office at the think tank. It is unclear if Hunter Biden visited the center, but it is certain from emails that he had met a number of times with former University of Pennsylvania President Amy Gutmann, who is now the US ambassador to Germany. The first visit appears to be in November 2011, when Gutman invited Hunter Biden to New York City for a breakfast. His former business associate, Eric Schwerin, had passed on the invitation to him. On multiple occasions, Kathy Chung coordinated with Hunter Biden to schedule meetings with former University of Pennsylvania President Amy Gutman. VP will be meeting with President Gutman on Friday, January 8th, 11am at the Lake House in DE, Chung wrote in an email to Hunter Biden in January 2016. VP hopes that you will be able to join him for this meeting. Please let me know if you have any questions. Thank you. Chung also invited Hunter Biden to a meeting with Gutman in April 2016. He suggested in a follow-up message to his business partner Schwerin that he may need to reschedule a meeting with the prime minister of the ivory coast. Hunter added that the Gutman meeting is a must attend for me per dad. Hunter Biden's laptop contained an email tying him to the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in Washington, D.C. The email shows that Hunter Biden was in the running to profit from the Penn Biden Center and its, quote, Clinton Global Initiative, end quote, like operations. On April 25th, 2016, CAA agent Craig Goering emailed Hunter with confidential notes from our meeting, according to the Fox News report. Goering reveals that plans were discussed for the vice president after he left office. The Biden Institute of Foreign Relations at the University of Pennsylvania, Goering's email read, focus on foreign policy. In addition to the institute at University of Penn, the school has an existing office in D.C. that will be expanded to house a D.C. office for V.P. Biden and Mike, Hunter and Steve, question mark, (laughs) operates like the Clinton Global Initiative without the money raise. It is quite interesting that the Clinton Global Initiative was referenced in the email. The Penn Biden Center has raised tens of million in dark money donations, much of it from Chinese sources. It raises the question if the Penn Biden Center was an operation to profit the Bidens or to entrap them. The political timing of the Biden classified documents discovery now threatens a president who has defied the adverse polling headwinds and has vowed to run for re election in 2024. An inside job? Kathy Chung is one mystery woman who might certainly know. And then we have real up to date information that was only published today by Trending Politics. Breaking, disturbing connection emerges between Biden think tank and Trump impeachment hoax. The managing director of the Penn Biden Center, a Biden adviser named Michael Carpenter, now finds himself embroiled in a national controversy that threatens to take down a president, but it isn't his first time. Carpenter is implicated in the high-profile scandal since classified documents from Biden's vice-presidency were stored at the Penn-Biden Centre on his watch. The scandal has led to the quick appointment of a special counsel by Attorney General Merrick Garland. It turns out Carpenter was also deeply enmeshed in the Trump impeachment hoax. But first, let us review how Michael Carpenter's name has again become relevant. The Penn Biden Center, a Washington, D.C.-based think tank, had quietly developed into one of the most influential foreign policy incubators in the United States, but its days of relative obscurity have now turned to ignominy. The Biden-classified document scandal broke shortly after the midterm elections. Earlier in January, it became public knowledge that Joe Biden's lawyers had, quote, discovered stashes of classified documents that were taken at the end of Biden's vice presidency. As reported by National Public Radio, Biden said the documents were found in a box in a locked closet at the Penn Biden Center office in Washington, D.C. They were turned over to the National Archives as soon as they were discovered by his personal attorneys on November 2nd before the midterm elections. How and why those classified documents came to be at the Penn-Biden Centre, an unsecured non-governmental organisation, as well as the political timing of their discovery, has become a matter of public debate. The documents were reported in January to have been found on November 2nd, only days before the midterm elections. Adding to the oddity of the reports, the Department of Justice directed the Federal Bureau of Investigation not to bother supervising the classified documents being turned over to the authorities. Contrast this exceedingly polite treatment with that given to former President Donald Trump, whose Mar-a-Lago home was raided by FBI agents in a style reminiscent of Banana Republic's, complete with the seizure of numerous documents, including the president's passports. There is even word the FBI agents ransacked Melania Trump's underwear drawer. The Penn Biden Center was opened in 2018 and drawing from the Hunter Biden laptop emails, it was envisaged as operating in a manner similar to the Clinton Global Initiative. It subsequently began raking in tens of millions of dollars in foreign cash, particularly Chinese cash. There are dark money contributions of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and up. Penn took in roughly $77 million in gifts and contracts from China between 2014 and 2020, the Daily Pennsylvanian previously reported. Absurdly, Joe Biden and Dr. Michael Carpenter, who would later run the Biden Center, would co-author an op-ed warning about foreign dark money in 2018. That certainly takes nerve. But just as notable as the shady operations of the Penn-Biden Centre is that it employed a trio of foreign policy heavy hitters as its managing directors. The Penn-Biden Center's first managing director was none other than current Secretary of State Antony Blinken. He was succeeded in this role by White House Counselor Stephen Ricchetti. After him followed a managing director who gained prominence during the first Trump impeachment hearings, the above mentioned Michael Carpenter. It is to Carpenter that we now turn. He is a former director of the National Security Council and is currently the U.S. Representative to the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, OSCE. Although he got in at the ground floor as a senior director in 2018, he became the managing director of the Penn Biden Center in 2019. He was confirmed as the US representative in November 2021. Dr. Carpenter, readers might remember, was flanked to Biden's right at the Council of Foreign Relations panel in 2018, where Biden infamously announced that he threatened to withhold aid from Ukraine if it did not fire the prosecutor charged with investigating the Ukrainian gas company Burisma. Burisma, of course, just so happened to be employing his son Hunter Biden on its board of directors for the hefty stipend of over $80,000 a month. Of course, we are to dismiss the obvious quid pro quo implicated in the former vice president's demands. Such a quid pro quo is a normal part of diplomacy, sticks and carrots, but it would become a scare word during the Trump impeachment hoax. If you recall, a whistleblower named Eric Charamella had relayed second-hand information that Trump was attaching aid to Ukraine to assurances from then-President Vladimir Zelensky that Biden's demand for the prosecutor be fired get properly investigated." That was it. The Democrats, desperate to wound and potentially rid the US government of their nemesis Donald Trump, nonetheless launched theatrical impeachment hearings over the matter. The unnamed star at the centre of the impeachment theatre was the whistleblower, believed by investigators to be pictured with Dr Michael Carpenter below, and it shows an image of this meeting where they're sat together. Carpenter, interestingly, is a Biden adviser with expertise on Russia and Ukraine, as well as on weapons trafficking, according to his bio at the Atlantic Council. It is unknown what is in the classified documents discovered at the Penn Biden Center and at Joe Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home. However, CNN has reported that the classified documents involved Ukraine. Among the classified documents from Joe Biden's time as vice president, discovered in a private office last fall, are U.S. intelligence memos and briefing materials that covered topics including Ukraine, Iran and the United Kingdom, a source told CNN. A total of 10 documents with classification markings were found last year in Biden's private academic office and they were dated between 2013 and 2016, the report added. Joe Biden in 2016 had pressured the Ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who was investigating Burisma's leadership for corruption. A series of documents from the Obama-Biden administration showed that representatives for Burisma Holdings sought a meeting with the State Department in February 2016 to discuss the corruption allegations. Burisma's representatives invoked the former vice president's youngest son, Hunter, in order to try to get a meeting with the State Department. The FOIA documents obtained in a lawsuit by John Solomon did not indicate if the meeting ever took place. On one of the last days of his term as vice president, Joe Biden travelled to Kiev. Freedom of information documents hosted at the U.S. State Department show one possible explanation why. Viktor Nebozenko, a political scientist, was cited in an email from then Foreign Service Institute Director Karen Robley to former US ambassador to Ukraine Marie Yovanovitch, speculating on the timing of Biden's visit and what it could possibly mean. Donald Trump said that he will carry out an audit of investments in security and democracy in Ukraine, Nebozenko said. For eight years, the U.S. administration has turned a blind eye to our corruption and gave a lot of money through the IMF and various funds, and all this has disappeared somewhere. Trump, as the new director of the company under the name of the United States, wants to know where that money went. Donald Trump thinks he knows exactly what is in Biden's classified documents stash and that it was covered up long before the midterm elections. I think they knew long before November 2nd, Trump told John Solomon on his podcast from January 11th. Trump added, I think he knew probably right from the beginning, and I think a lot of it had to do with Ukraine, because that was the papers he kept. And no, I think they knew about this for a long time, and they didn't do anything about it. When asked how documents from Biden's vice presidency might, quote, change the equation, end quote, in regards to special counsel Jack Smith's probe into the Mar-a-Lago documents, Trump said, well, I think it totally changes that. I was perfect under the Presidential Records Act, Trump added. I did absolutely nothing wrong. The FBI agents had seized over 11,000 documents and photographs without classified markings from Trump's resort, along with about 100 documents marked classified or top secret. Trump has argued that he declassified these materials when he left office. Trump argued that the FBI should raid Biden's properties as well as those belonging to his son, Hunter Biden. What about all of these places that he's got, Trump asked? What about his house? What about Hunter's house? You know, who's going to go in there like they did with me? Who's going to do that? So there is other information that's still coming out. Um, CNN even is reporting that Joe Biden did in fact meet with his son's corrupt business partners on multiple occasions when he was VP. And according to Fox News, Biden met with at least 14 of Hunter's business associates while vice president. So he's basically lied about that because he was asked multiple times um, and denied even knowing anything about Hunter's business, which of course is ridiculous. Um now, the speculation is amongst the citizen journalists is what's going on here? They're trying to get rid of Biden. Um, Obama could easily bail him out by saying that he's he'd already declassified these documents and that, you know, Joe was perfectly within his rights to take them with him. But that would mean that it would undermine completely the case against Trump because he had presidential rights to declassify these documents and said he did. So they wouldn't be able to justify going after Trump. And the timing of this is interesting. If the Democrats want to get rid of Joe Biden, uh, Kamala Harris, oh God forbid, will be next in line. Now, people are saying, oh, well, she's an anchor baby, so she's not eligible, but that's not correct at all. I actually looked into that. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5 requires the president to be a natural-born citizen. And by being born in the US, even though her parents weren't US citizens, she meets the criteria for being a natural born citizen. And if she replaces Biden before the 23rd of January, she would be eligible to serve 10 years as president, um, which is... horrific prospect i must say obviously she'd have to be re-elected but you know unless all this uh, voter fraud is dealt with then they could very well make it so that she gets in on the other hand it could be just another part of the plan to expose even more corruption in joe biden and um Certainly with all the mainstream media now turning against him, it's, you know, becoming a very interesting scenario. So now on to Davos, which is uh, the annual meeting of the WEF in Switzerland, and it started Monday. And there were people saying on alternative news that Klaus Schwab wasn't going to be at Davos and people were speculating about all of that and what that meant. There were Uh, Post put out saying it was due to health reasons and there was also something about George Soros not attending. Now I'm not sure whether he was there or not but uh, definitely Klaus Schwab was because he made the opening speech and it's very interesting that um, Celia Farber on the Truth Barrier uh, Substack channel talks about, uh, you'll never guess what Klaus Schwab is preaching at Davos. You have to hear it to believe it. He was at Davos after all. There's a tweet from COVID 1984 for everyone who was tweeting that Klaus was sick and would miss the first day of Davos without any evidence. Here he is on the first day of Davos. Be careful what you share. My take on the Davos WEF meeting is that it shows all signs of a rotting ship. Low attendance, massive military police presence. They know people hate their flaming guts and don't believe their lies anymore. Possibly no shows of high priests. And then there is the mood itself, like a soggy trade show. They drench themselves in the Swedish flag blue colour, yet they can't convince anybody, not even themselves, of the goodness of their religion. It's just sagging, fading and even most promisingly stealing messaging from us. So it was not true that Schwab was a no-show. The real story is even better. He showed up and spoke words that fly like opposite darts into the heart of Globothink. Globothink is what? Catastrophism. At all times, everywhere, many at once, so hard to choose which crisis to place at the top of the terror messaging system. But terror and pessimism, these are the core ideals. I listened to the frail, confused figure Klaus Schwab speaking to his devotees and he sounded like Jim Jones three days from the end. Hands folded, he spoke somewhat meekly, almost pleadingly, as if trying to address and maybe stave off punishment for the abject failure of everything they sought to achieve in their sick revolution. We couldn't meet at a more challenging time. Cooperation in a fragmented world. We are confronted with so many crises. What does it mean to master the future? If you listen to it, it starts normally enough. First, we got all the usual cold, dead globalist kitsch phrases. And then came the swivel, the shock turn, the perestroika glasnost moment. Schwab actually says, answering his own insane question, What does it mean to master the future? And I think actually he said, what does it need to master the future? In any case, to have a platform where all stakeholders of global society are engaged, governments, business, civil society, the young generation, thus far straight up catechism of globalist cult, the shock and pivot is in the next line. But what is even more important is that we approach the future with a positive spirit, a spirit which reflects human creativity and ingenuity. We have to uplift our hearts. We have to restore a notion of optimism and we have to integrate into everything which we are doing, our hearts. Are they kidding? Is he kidding? Is he on drugs? Positive spirit? uplift our hearts. After brutally, chemically assaulting the planet and crushing life as we knew it at every level and killing possibly millions, my southern father would have yelled, put me on the hog train. Now I feel confident to say this. We have won. They are hoping to camouflage as us normal people in their new messaging. That means to my mind with almost 100% certainty that they have been defeated and they know it. Am I saying the war is over? Not by a long shot. That they will stop trying to destroy and kill us? Not bloody likely. I am saying their culture is dying, fading, despised, exposed and rotting, but still insisting on its pageants, its conferences. They will need more than those creepy semicircles and that build back better blue colour to save them from the wrath of the awakening public. Let's accept this. They're done. They're just not dismantled. On another note, here's a tweet from Jim Jordan that has been viewed so far by 5.4 million people. What prompted them to look for Joe Biden's classified documents, he said. And I'm ending this post where it originally began. I was looking for proofs Schwab bailed out on Davos. This one tweet by the famous cat turd has 1.2 million views. It isn't correct in this case, but that isn't what is important. Maybe Schwab said he was not coming, but changed his mind. What is important? 1.2 million is surely way more eyeballs than yesterday's New York Times. And I do think the rats are jumping ship in various ways, except when they stay on the ship and just start to sound like they were never globalist terminators at all, because they believe in the human heart, which we now need to, quote, uplift. Those still beating, of course, those not yet murdered by WEF Global COVID attack. As we often say, could anybody make this up? Cat heard, why are all the rats jumping ship? Exclusive Bill Gates has also pulled out of the WEF 23 meeting in Davos. Attendees are suddenly pulling out of the World Economic in Davos. This is Jan Vanderveer. First, Klaus Schwab, then George Soros, and now Bill Gates has pulled out. Something's going on in Davos, but what is it? And also, um, Sunak, the PM in the UK, didn't attend. Neither did uh, Joe Biden, of course. And I don't think Macron did either, which is very interesting, because they're all WEF puppets. Now, what's been interesting at the event is that these globalists are actually on the run from some good investigative journalists, which, to be honest, are a bit of an endangered species these days. This is Envolve, uh, reports Watch. WEF's Klaus Schwab runs from independent journalist after being asked one question about globalism. And this was put out only a few hours ago. An independent reporter from Japan ran into World Economic Forum chairman Klaus Schwab on the snowy streets of Davos. When Schwab learned she was an independent reporter and not a mainstream media cartel member, he wanted no part of her questions. Schwab and the other elitist control freaks roaming Davos this week never answer questions from real journalists who investigate their true motives. WEF puppets only take interviews from media they've paid off. They refuse to defend their plans of controlling every aspect of our lives. Instead, they run away like cowards whenever an honest reporter confronts them. We saw that happen with Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla when confronted by Rebel News. And Rebel News tweeted, we caught him. Watch what happened when Rebel News reporter spotted Albert Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer, on the street in Davos today. We finally asked him all the questions the mainstream media refuses to ask. And he was asking about, you know, when did you know that the COVID vaccine wouldn't prevent transmission and, and other questions? And Bourla just refused to answer and he definitely was on the run. Klaus Schwab was no different. The words independent reporter made him slither away. I encountered Klaus Schwab and here is what happened. He is afraid of our resistance, wrote Japanese reporter Masako Ganaha. I am from Japan and may I ask you for a comment, Ganaha said, before being interrupted by Schwab and his entourage. We're on our way to the next thing and we're a bit late, one woman with Schwab commented. Which media are you with, Schwab asked. I'm an independent journalist, Gunnar replied. Yeah, no thank you, Schwab said. Schwab and his cronies will no longer be able to hide in the shadows. More and more people are awake to their schemes and forming a resistance against the global elite. And Twitchy reports, John Kerry's response at WEF-23 when confronted about private jet usage melts bullshit detectors. In early November of last year, it was reported that Biden's climate czar, John Kerry, would avoid taking a private jet to the World Economic Forum in Davos to try and avoid more eco hypocrite accusations. At the WEF, reporters who have actually been doing journalism, while others in the media just push preferred narratives, caught up with Kerry and asked him about his eco-hypocrisy. And basically... He says he flies commercially exclusively. Since when? Uh, Caught in the lie. Kerry and his family most certainly do not fly commercially exclusively. John Kerry's gas guzzling family jet has taken 16 trips this year alone. This was New York Post tweeting. He could have said, I flew commercially to the WEF, but of course, Kerry felt compelled to make it a blanket statement in an attempt to ward off more hypocrisy allegations. Also, it depends on what your definition of flying commercially is. Leasing a private jet is not commercial travel, Styles bitchly tweeted. And ground shy, if you pay a charter company for the plane and pilots, that t- that's technically commercial. And so on and so forth. So, you know, these people are really getting caught out by their hypocrisy and people are so aware of it now. You know, nobody used to pay attention to Davos, but people have had their eyes opened and they're not going to take any more of this bullshit. Now, quickly, before I run out of time, just another couple of uh, pretty big Breaking news reports. Alec Baldwin is to be charged with two charges of involuntary manslaughter in the fatal Rust shooting. Um, this was on the 19th. Alec Baldwin will be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter for the shooting death of Helena Hutchins. And there's another person indicted as well. Alec Baldwin and armourer Hannah Gutierrez Reed will face criminal charges. For the October 21st, 2021, fatal shooting of Rust cinematographer Helena Hutchins, the Santa Fe District Attorney said this morning. So very interesting after Alec Baldwin was claiming that, no, the gun fired itself. We'll see what comes of this. Now, the other bombshell this week is that the Covid Queen of New Zealand's reign is coming to an end. Uh, Jacinda Ardern, the icy Covid Queen of New Zealand, is finally abdicating her throne. While technically the Prime Minister, Ardern seized emergency powers during the Covid pandemic to decrease some of the harshest lockdowns in the world. She is now set to pass on her scepter to a new Liberal Prime Minister. In a tearful speech on Wednesday, Ardern said she did not personally feel up to another term Thus, she is now planning to leave office on February 7th. So I wondered who got to her because she was, you know, almost in tears. And the person that's taking over from her, I saw on social media today, is another WEF puppet threatening to go and look for people that are still unvaccinated. So it's just, you know... A repetition of Ardern, basically. I do feel sorry for the people of New Zealand. But interestingly, one of our great anons, and this is Joe M. Storm is upon us, noted a Q delta and its drop 693 on February 7th. Make sure the list of resignations remains updated. Important. And she has announced that she'll stand down no later than February 7th, which is very, very interesting. And I was wondering if somebody had got to her before I saw this Delta. So, you know, it looks like she's being pushed out and. Potentially, this again is part of the global plan to take down the deep state, but they're going to have to get rid of a successor as well. Although, of course, um, he would have to be re elected at the end of what her term would be, and I'm not sure when that is, but it's later this year. So, that's all I have time for this week. It's certainly turning out to be uh, a very interesting. 2023 and we're only three weeks into it so lots of more exciting stuff to come i'm sure so i hope you'll join me for another cosmic creating show next saturday thank you to nancy hopkins for producing and to derek condit for sponsoring cosmic reality radio please visit his website mysticalwares.com where he has a huge range of shungite and other metaphysical products And you can visit me at thesuccessalchemist.net. So until next time, stay well, be safe, and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating Current Reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.